2 Corinthians chapter 10, and uh, we're really going to be dealing with a large portion of this chapter tonight. We're going to start with verse number 7. Sorry, Luke, that wasn't on there for a second. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, and verse number 7 here this evening. Well, this is Missions Month, and so we're, we're turning here to a missions passage. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, 9, and 10, uh, Paul has a great desire to get the gospel to the regions beyond. The regions beyond. And um, that's going to be a great focus, I think, in the conference and the missions month that we have here, to the regions beyond. Uh, missions, getting the gospel out. And uh, I'm looking forward to that, getting the gospel to uh, different places around the world that we're not able to get to. Um, you say, why do, we have the, why do we even have missionaries? Well, one reason is because you're sitting right here. That's one reason. Um, is because we're here, and missionaries go there. Uh, they're able to reach out, and so we, can, we, we help them. We help, we help fund them, we help get them to the field. Uh, and uh, in certain times even try to help them uh, financially or maybe even try to go to the field itself and, and help them out uh, and be an encouragement to them. And 2 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10 is Paul really talking to the Corinthians about uh, their financial giving. It's, a big, it's really a big, ch- big section. Really 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9, that's... That's all 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is about. It's about financial giving. I mean, that's you cannot you can't look at it any other way. Contextually, that's what he's talking about right there. Um, especially verse number, I think I think the main verses to that are 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 7. Uh, and I think that those two verses ought to be the theme and ought to be the heartbeat of every single believer that is out there and ought to be the life verse of our giving. Those are the life verses of our giving to God. Where he says, This I say, he which soweth sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. I mean, that's, those three verses are just the summation of what Christian giving is all about. Uh, you give sparingly, you reap sparingly. You give, uh, you give uh, bountifully, you reap bountifully. That's not a seed harvest or anything like that, talking back to, to the word faith movement or anything. But um, just give. Give with a good heart. Give cheerfully. This message isn't on giving. I'm just trying to set some of the context here. But Paul is going to move from this topic of giving and he's going to move into chapter number 10 and um, we see verses like a a very great verse in chapter 10 is verse number 5 where he says casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ but what Paul is trying to get at in chapter number 10 is he's going back to this thing of apostolic authority that Paul, uh, Paul was an apostle and he was a leader in the church. In fact, he was the one that begun the Corinthian church. If you remember back to your uh, book of Acts, he shows up in Corinth. 
uh, preaches there, sees a lot of people saved, uh, has a riot when he gets there, basically, and God says, wait a second, just calm down, Paul. It's going to be okay. I've got much people in this city, and uh, he gets to stay in Corinth for about a year and a half, preaching the gospel, starting a great work there. The Corinthian people were giving people. They were giving people. They had some issues, no doubt, morally. Uh, they had some issues, but, uh, you know, I think all of us have issues, don't we? Uh, we all have some issues in life. But the Corinthians had their fair share of problems. They had issues back in 1 Corinthians. You can read that. But they settled a lot of those. They got those corrected. But still there was these people that were coming into the Corinthian church. And they were trying to challenge Paul's letters. They were trying to challenge Paul's doctrine. They were trying to challenge the teachings that Paul was trying to establish these believers in. And he is telling them, hey... You need to throw down some imaginations. Uh, cast down these high faults from these false teachers, these detractors of the gospel, if you will. And you need to consider uh, what you're in this thing for. What is, this, what is it all about? What, what is the church doing? What am I doing? He's going to question them. What is my purpose? What is my aim uh, in my apostleship? Is it to... Uh, be rich and famous? Is it to get a name for myself? Is it to promote myself? Uh, is that why I'm in this? He's telling them. And he's going to remind them that that's why the false teachers were in it. They were in it for the riches. They were in it for the notoriety. They were in it so people could give them a pat on the back and a good handshake and say, you're, you're a great guy. And then some of them would do is they would put down Paul and lift up themselves. And Paul says, that's not how it works. It's not how it works. We're going to see tonight an unrighteous comparison. An unrighteous comparison. And what I mean by that is what I want you to see is that when you support missions and you work with missionaries and we see missionaries come in and you hear them preach or, or maybe just a preacher himself or an evangelist, is that not all the time, in fact I would say that most of the time, that the people that God uses are not all, are not the people that you would expect Him to use. They're not always the person that you would pick out of the crowd and say, you know what, uh, that person would be a good pastor. And that person would be a good missionary. I, I think that's the person that ought to go to, and you name the country. Really, I can only think of one person in the Scriptures that is noted for his great oratory speech, uh, his, uh, if you will, I don't know if his good looks or anything, but his name was Apollos. I mean, if your name's Apollos, I mean, that would would just kind of go to figure that you're kind of just that kind of guy. I mean, you're an Apollo, you're something. And he was. He had a great amount of speech. He could speak very eloquently. He was very well liked. He was likable kind of guy. But not many of the rest of them were not like that. Uh, think about, think back to John and James and Peter. Whenever they preached the gospel, they to the Sanhedrin, and they said to them, they said, "Are these not unlearned men? I mean, these guys don't even have an education. Uh, they went to elementary school, maybe, and they might have. Uh, they, I don't even know if they've got a GED. I mean, I mean, they have no letters behind their name. I mean, what's the, what's the, who are these guys?" And they're coming in and preaching to us. Uh, think about the blind man that preached 
uh, to the Pharisees. And he says, will you also be his disciples? Well, we are Moses' disciples, they say. Uh, but here is a blind man, blind from birth, no education at all. And yet God used him in a very convicting way. And God used this man, Paul. And so we see here in verse number 7, his reminder to us of what we should not do and how we should be careful as we're trying to get the gospel to the regions beyond. When he says in verse 7, he says, Do you look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. And he's telling don't let anybody think of themselves higher than they ought to think, he says that in Romans. Uh, do they claim to be of the Lord? Well, we also claim to be of the Lord. Well, are they of Christ? We are also of Christ. Paul makes a very good point about that in the book of Galatians whenever he says, in Christ there's neither bond nor free, male nor female. But we're all one in Jesus Christ. Why is somebody making their boast in this thing? And he says in verse number 8, he says, For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. For they say, this is, these are the false teachers, these are the ones that are trying to lift themselves up. Paul says, I have the authority. It was given to me by Jesus Christ on the road to Damascus. He spoke to me. He told me. And he's proved that in me by signs and wonders. But I'm going to hold my tongue here for a second. And he says in verse number 10, he says, for they say his letters are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. And I can imagine that his body was probably weak. His own account is that he was beaten five different times by the Jews, 39 different, 39 times. I wish Brother Blue was here. He could do the math for me real quick. I don't know what the math is on that. 40 times 5 is, uh, what, 200? Minus 5, 195 stripes. 195 stripes on his back. I imagine if you got beat 195 times that you'd probably be a little hunchback. You'd probably be a little weak. But they also said that his speech is contemptible. And what's interesting to me is that Paul does not deny any of this. I mean, he must have had some kind of speech that, well, he just wasn't the greatest of speakers. His voice, I don't know, maybe it echoed, maybe it was screechy, maybe it was too deep or too high. I'm not for sure. But he says this in verse number 11, let such an one think this. Such as we are in word by letters when we are absent, such will be also indeed when we are present. He says uh, they need to be careful what they're saying because uh, when we show up, when we do, if they're still acting this way, we will uh, show some great authority in their presence. But he says, he says, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves, and this is our key verse too, and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of our rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. 
For we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reached not unto you, for we came as far as to you as also preaching the gospel of Christ. Not boasting of things without our measure. He keeps using that word measure. He's talking about his authority. He said, I have a measure of authority, and I am not going to exceed that. I am not going to go beyond that. That's why in the United States government, you'll learn uh, a particular term that you'll have on your test. It's called checks and balances. And the founders tried to put in the framework of our Constitution a system of checks and balances so that not one particular section of government could get more powerful than another section of government and therefore overturning that government and then uh, becoming... And, uh, and we see that sometimes happening. But we have a system that is trying to be put in place called checks and balances. And he says, I know my checks and balances. I know where my authority is. I know how far I can go and what I should say and not say. Now look what he says here in verse number 915. And here is the whole point of this. That as other men's labors, but having hope, when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, and not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand, but him, but he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. There's a mouthful here, I know. But I think we're going to see something real simple here this evening is that Paul, in his gospel ministry, and that Jesus has called him to, is that he was going to fight tooth and nail for the gospel. He wasn't going to lay down and let people walk over the gospel of Jesus Christ that he was trying to get to other people. And he was going to do whatever it took for that gospel to get there. Let's notice a couple of ways in how he says this to us tonight. Notice, though he's ill-crippled and ill-spoken, first of all, I'll say this, be careful of outward appearances. And I kind of already alluded to that some, I know, in the commentary as I was going through, but be careful of outward appearances. When God calls someone to preach, a man to preach, you ought to use the great adage of this, don't judge a book by its cover. That should be always in the forefront of our minds because God does not always use the best equipped or most well-spoken or the best looking or the richest one out there. Paul is giving us a standard by, by which to judge things. And he gives that to us in 1 Corinthians 1, 26 and 29, where he says, For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound them which are mighty, the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, hath God chosen, why? To bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. I love to see missionaries that, uh, that people would say, you know what, you can't do it. You know, one of the missionaries that I think of is a missionary, he is called the father of modern missions. 
the father of modern missions. And who was that man? His name is called William Carey. William Carey was the father of modern missions. And the first time that he stood up in his Baptist church to preach the gospel, in front of all the men that were there in front of him at two, in those days when he preached your first sermon, I should have told Albert this, uh, but when he preached your first sermon in those days, all the other pastors from churches all around would gather there and would judge you, all right, and see how well you did, and to see if you were fit for the ministry. And after Gary delivered his uh, first sermon that he ever preached, uh, they said to him, uh, Mr. Gary, we believe that it would be best for you to find another occupation. And can you imagine? Here is a man that went to India, translated the Bible into seven different languages, started started many churches, saw hundreds, saw thousands of people get saved, and his work is still even existing to this very day. He even got involved in Parliament and stopped very horrific Hindu laws that were allowing things. One of the laws was that if your husband died, ladies then you were by law required to stand on top of a mountain or a hill and jump onto his burning grave. That was a Hindu law. Carrie was the one that was attributed to stopping that by influencing them with Christian, with Christian values. Now my point is this, is that don't always look on the outward appearance. Paul was not a good man to look upon. He was not something that was rich or famous or good looking or any of those kinds of things. But... He does tell them in this particular passage here in verse number uh, verse number 8, For though I should somewhat boast of, of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification, though all people are the same, uh, you go to any job that you would like to. You go to, uh, I don't know, just think of a car lot. And go down here to Howie Honda. Alright? That doesn't matter who is there. Who's working there? At Howdy Honda, I mean, you, you've, got the, you've got the custodial people that are coming around, but you also got the, the owner of Howdy Honda. It doesn't matter. All of those people are people, right? It doesn't matter. They're all people. They all have souls. They're, they're all sinners. They all need Jesus Christ. They, uh, they all deserve respect. Uh, all of those kinds of things matter. But here's the deal, is that though that is the case, that doesn't change the fact that at Howdy Honda, there is a level of authority there too. There is a level in which people are, this person's in this authority and this person's in that authority. Even, you can think of the basest crew that you want to. Go down to the jail cell, right? And you had a, you had a level of authority there. Joseph, he was the, I mean, he was in charge of all the, all the people in jail. Though he was in jail too. There's always levels of authority. And Paul is letting them know that, hey, my level of authority was given to me by God, which would be somewhat to boast in. And I would like to edify you uh, with this authority and not give you destruction, he says in verse number eight, uh, that I should not be ashamed. We all, we all are in Christ, but we're not all in the same level of authority. I have strong, I have power, he tells him, and authority to write these strong letters to you. And some would try to convince you, he's letting them know that I don't have this power because of the way I look or the way that I talk or those kinds of things. But I do have the same power to rebuke and to admonish and to reprove why I'm with you. He's letting them know that they are wrong. Proverbs 11.1 1 says this, A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. 
When we see a missionary come through these doors that want to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, or an evangelist, or whoever it might be, a preacher, uh, don't, don't judge a book by its cover. Don't look at them and say, well, you know, they're this or they're that. Or, you know, sad, I'm glad at, at our church we don't deal with this and I'm really happy about that. But some places, they, well, they went to this school and they went to that school and they're from this camp and they're from that camp. And I don't know. People get all upset about all kinds of things. I've got a question for you. What's their purpose? What do they want to do? Do they want to preach the gospel? Do they want to start churches? Do they have a desire for those kinds of things? Well, understand this, that first of all, they're not going to be perfect. They might not be the best looking. They might not have the best best, uh, web presentation or whatever it might be. But here's the point. What do they want to do? And always taking note to this, too. Always try to take a note when I'm talking to somebody, too. At what, what level do they really love God? Are they going to stick this thing out? Are they willing to, 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 to stay with it? Stay by the stuff? I love to see missionaries that have been on the, been on the field for four, five, six years, and then they come home. Maybe they raise a little bit more support because of inflation and things like this, and they go right back to the field. Man, don't you love to see that? I, 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 can, I, can, I, can, I can invest in somebody like that. I can say, man, that guy right there, that girl right there, that family right there, man, they, uh, they are they are awesome. I mean, just think about the Blanchards. I mean, just, just think about that. I mean, they have served the Lord tirelessly over there in Australia. Tirelessly. But he was told, you know, oh, you'll never make it. So you've got too many kids. It's too expensive to get to the field for you. But you know what that man's got? He's got a heart for God and a heart for missions. And he loves the Lord. And he's going to stay by the stuff. Come on now, how many of you would have called Brother John Yalls into the ministry? Knowing who he was before, if he knew his testimony, who he was before, a drunkard, abusive, a fighter, He wouldn't call himself in the ministry. God went to college with, I got his prayer letter right here, Josh Lawrence, right here. Man serving God faithfully in Papua New Guinea. But I tell you what, in college, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I don't think anybody would have given, would have bet two cents that he had stayed and stayed there. Man, I tell you, it's good to support some people, it's good to see, don't judge by outward appearance. Don't just judge by outward appearances so many times. Be careful with that. Be careful with that. Number two. Number two. We see an inward comparison. We see an inward comparison. He says those false preachers are comparing themselves among themselves. They're not holding themselves to the standard of God's word and to the the standards of the gospel. They also have authority but they have no character for authority. They want power, but they have no power or right to to claim any power. What's the point here? Is that Paul is telling them that these guys, all right, so Paul comes in, starts the church of Corinth. 
does a great job, gets these people on their gets these people on their feet. He has to leave and go preach somewhere else. These other guys come in. They kind of get things stirred up. They stir the pot up a little bit. And they start uh, saying bad mouthing Paul, and they start saying you need to look to us. What are they doing? They're building on other men's on other men's foundations. They're trying to steal the way steal away the work. Steal it away. And I'll tell you, you've got to be careful for things like that. Be careful for things like that. Don't ever try to find somebody to steal away the work. I thank God that one thing that I told my wife, and many of you know this, whenever I got married to her, I said, I'll never move to Texas, Nikosha. Well, I said that cares. I didn't say that to Nikosha. I said, I'll never move to Texas, cares. And I meant that. I meant that. Because I don't, I, I didn't want this. I didn't want to be here because of me. I didn't want to say, "Well, I'll do this." I, don't, I didn't want to do that. I, and it was only a God that was able to uh, direct us and move us down here and do all of those kinds of things. Whenever Paul says that that I've been careful not to build upon another mountain's foundation, that doesn't mean that somebody can't take a church. That's not what that means, that somebody else started. What that means is this, is that somebody shouldn't be coming in trying to steal away the identity of a church or steal away the, 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 the authority from somebody else so that they can have the notoriety, so that they can have the applause. Paul says, I have none of that. That's not what I wanted to do. I didn't want the notoriety. It wasn't, it wasn't about me. It was all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it is. And that's what missions is all about. Missions is about getting the gospel to the regions beyond. Getting it out of these doors and past the city limits of Austin and past other places. We support three missionaries in America. And I don't have any problem. Maybe, excuse me, we support five because two in Alaska. All right, so... Uh, Alaska and America, I guess it is, all right? So uh, it's just on the other side there. Uh, and the continent of the United States support three, all three right here in the state of Texas. And I was talking, I was curious about that this afternoon. You know, you got, but you got Brother John Yalls doing a very unique ministry with prisons, death row. You got Brother Tom Gear, who's stationed here, but basically is serving all around the world as a children's evangelist. And then you've got Brother Angel Perez that's that has a church up in North Austin with Hispanic people that, guess what, I can't reach because I don't speak Spanish. Brother John does. But, uh, but, but you know, I, can't, I can't get up there and do that. That's not, I can't do those kinds of things. After we're trying to reach to the regions beyond. And man, if Alaska is not a region beyond, I don't know what is. One of the things, too, that influenced, me, influenced us, too, with John, with Brother Bach and Brother Hoffmeister is this, is that I know, and Brother Hoffmeister would be mad if I said this, but I know, and he knows, too, that he don't have many more years left up there. But you know what? I'm glad there's some young men and some young families that are willing to take the spot of smaller veterans. And I'm glad Brother Bach is one of those people. And, and folks... We've got to make an inward comparison. What are they trying to do? He like this. He says, we don't stretch ourselves beyond ourselves, beyond our measure. It would just really make a world of difference if some uh, churches and people and some, I will even say this, and some missionaries, because I know some like this, that would really just worry about the gospel 
and not worry about every other church's business and getting involved with this and with that. Paul was saying, I haven't stretched myself beyond my authority. I'm personally careful of what I say and what I do. And I say that too. I'm personally careful of what I say and what I do about churches that are like-minded because, I mean, I like us, I have very little authority. So, I have no authority to be talking about this church or that church or well, they shouldn't be doing it like that or they shouldn't do it like that. Really, if we would focus in more on the fact of the matter that people are lost and need Jesus Christ, man, how much more could we do for the gospel of Jesus Christ, for the kingdom of God? And Paul, in speaking of his authority to churches too, he says, he says in verse number 13, he says, But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God hath distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you, he says. It says our measure, our extenuation of our ministry is not just, Paul says, he says that he has all these burdens upon him, but the number one burden that bothered him most was this, he had the burden of the care of all the churches, 13 churches that he started, and he was in care of, and he says, Corinthians, I'm still caring for you. I mean, Paul had a lot of authority, started all these churches, it was ministering to all kinds of people all across the world, writing letters all the time, trying to get the gospel out, trying to help people, trying to help other people out. For which we stretch out ourselves beyond our measure as though we reached not unto you. For we have come as far as to you also in, listen to this, preaching the gospel of Christ. What's my point? point is this, is that Paul's authority and every pastor's, missionary, evangelist, special speaker, their authority rests in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't rest on them. And church, we have got to see too that real change for anybody it's great that Carrie was able to stop that. But I guarantee you that Carrie would not tell you that his greatest accomplishment was stopping women throwing themselves upon burning graves. It's a great accomplishment. But the gospel, the gospel is even greater than that. It's even greater. Paul wasn't out to get involved politically or socially. And if we're not one of these churches, I'm glad for that. But, you know, it's just, it is really sad. And it is sad, okay, to hear of pastors and preachers that all they're doing is promoting a social agenda. It's just social rhetoric. And some of these denominations have left the gospel a long time ago. There's no preaching of the death, burial, or resurrection of Jesus Christ. No preaching and talking about sin. No preaching and talking about heaven and hell. You know, what, what, kind of, what, what power does the church have if we don't have the gospel? The world can do the rest of that stuff, can it? The kingdom. 
that's why I'm glad that we, you know, one thing about missionaries that we support, it's not that they don't help out. I mean, uh, Brother Porter, uh, a lot of his church were experiencing a very difficult financial situation there in Zimbabwe. So they started raising chickens. We started raising, I think, a, a little, a little, a little farm. I can't remember if it was potatoes or some other little crop. There on the there on the church property, and trying to help some people with some goats and things like that, get some things going to increase some some income for some people, so they have more sustainable lives. But if you ask Brother Porter, why did he do all that? Well, you don't have to ask me reading his letters. The reason he did those kinds of things is so that he could further reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's so that some of those guys that didn't have any money or ability to be able to buy a book to go to the Bible Institute could sell some chickens, buy some books, and learn the gospel, and learn how to preach, and tell others about Jesus Christ. Uh, what I'm saying is this, is that social reform, there's no problem with that. No problem with talking about different social aspects. But what is the end goal? The end goal should always be the gospel of Jesus Christ. That should be the end goal. Because the gospel is the only thing that truly changes people and saves people and gives people an eternity in heaven. Brother Alexander in Haiti, great deed in Haiti. Every year they have uh, they have a humongous thing where they uh, they have a Christmas toy drive where they try to brighten the lives of some orphans. They have feeding centers for all the poverty-stricken people. But you know what they do with those people? They tell them the gospel. And you know what's amazing? Is that some of those people actually get saved and become productive members of society and become productive members in a church and use their gifts that God has given them to bless other people to see other people get saved. It's an amazing thing the gospel is. How it changes one life, but it never changes one life. You know that, don't you? The gospel fully lived never changes just one life. There's no calculations on how the gospel changes. I have a lot more to say with that, but I want to move on because I want to get to our final point. It's already eight. And that is a righteous commendation. A false consideration, an inward consideration, and also a righteous commendation. Paul says in verse number 15, he says, He's not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors. I don't boast in what other people have done. But I have hope that when your faith is increased, that we shall be enlarged by you according to your rule abundantly. Paul goes back to this thing of preaching the gospel. But it reminds the Corinthians that because 
See, what had happened is this, is that because these false detractors had come into the church and had moved them away from the gospel and had moved them on to other things and to the notoriety of these speakers, what had happened was this, is that the Corinthian church kind of got detracted from this and looking away from the gospel. And what happened was they weren't supporting the gospel like they should have been. He says that in verse number 15. He says that we shall be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. Why? To preach the gospel in the regions of beyond. These detractors had gotten their people's eyes off the gospel. They had stopped supporting the work and stopped helping out in the work. And therefore, he says, I'm writing this to you so that your eyes will be open. You'll say, you know what? We need to get back to what matters. Preaching the gospel, helping the gospel, praying for missionaries, supporting missions, giving to missions, helping those that uh, need the Lord, telling others about Jesus Christ, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. He said, you've neglected these things. you put off these things. And it's time to get back to it. I'm not telling you have neglected, but it's just, just a warning. It's just helpful to us to understand that when we do get our eyes off of these things, how quickly we can start supporting this and doing this. Let us have our eyes on the gospel. Let us have our eyes that the true change of life is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he says in verse 16, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. Whew, I finally got to it. <laughs> What's the point? He's told them. Stop making outward opinions of people. Stop looking at notorieties and all these kinds of things. Look at inward. And he says, have a righteous commendation. And here it is. He says, we want to, we're not satisfied. We're not, we're, Paul's saying, we're not, we're not satisfied with stopping at Corinth. Or we're not satisfied with stopping at Ephesus or Thessalonica. We're not, we're not satisfied with that. Paul, and I don't understand all this, but Paul is writing a letter to the Romans. In two different times, he says, I, or he says it many times, but he tells them, I desire to see you in Rome, Italy. But two different times, he says, I desire to get to Spain. That was Paul's motivation. Some commentators think that he did. I don't know. We don't know the rest of the story. We won't know until heaven. But how interesting of a heart of Paul that he just always had this desire to go further, go further, go further, keep going, don't stop, keep giving, keep going, keep praying, keep helping. In fact, he writes back to several of the churches that helped him in the ministry and he calls them this, fellow ministers, co-laborers, fellow helpers. Those are the words that he used. In church, on this first Sunday, this first Church service for our missions emphasis month. The emphasis is this the gospel. Don't stop. Don't stop giving out of track. Don't stop going. Uh, don't stop uh, supporting those that are going. Don't stop praying for the Staleys. Amen. Don't stop praying for them. 
My, my story, we prayed for eight months that they'd get to Spain. And guess what God did? God finally opened the door. Do you think that was any less of God to get the PRC, whatever that stands for, <laughs> you know what I mean, in their email right before they got on the plane? I mean, anything could have held that up. Anything. Me and me, if you know anything about technology, right? Anything could have held that thing up. And they'd be still sitting here. But praise God, their faithfulness, they're there now, serving the Lord. What a blessing. The gospel. To the regions beyond. That's where we want to go. We want to keep going. And this Missions Emphasis Month is all about that. Just keep going to the regions beyond. Don't be satisfied. Don't be satisfied. Say, well, we support enough missionaries. You know, we support, we support enough missionaries. We're, we're good to go. We, we, did our, we did our duty. Folks, let me say this as I close. With Missions Emphasis Month 2. Don't ever look at those missionaries on the back. Don't ever send those kids up here with a dollar in their hand. Don't ever write a check out to a missionary or missions or to Faith Promise Missions. Don't ever do any of that and think to yourself, I've done my duty. I've done, my, I've done what I should do. No, my friend. You've got a neighbor. You've got a brother. You've got a sister that not one of those missionaries is going to reach. Not one of them. Because they're in Thailand and Australia. They're in Czech Republic. They're in Russia. They're in Panama. And I'm also in Texas. Let us be careful to always reach to the regions beyond in our life. And let the gospel be our boast. Let the gospel be what we stand on. I love the old hymn writer August Tuffley that said, I need no other plea, plea argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. That's all I need. That's all I need. All we have is the gospel. But praise God, the gospel is enough. Let us glory in the gospel. Father, we're thankful for your many blessings, your goodness, your grace. We're thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power